wonderful, wonderful expression of worship. Eternal God, our Father, we do thank you today for yet another opportunity to preach your word. We don't take it lightly, for you didn't have to be this good to us to give us such a beautiful day, such a glorious opportunity. And this morning, we want to tell you thank you. Thank you for being so very good. Now, God, would you open our eyes and our ears? Would you give me preaching power and preaching permission? We'll be careful to give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that transpires here in this sacred place. We love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen and amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 26, or your iPhones, whatever you have with you. Acts chapter 9. I want to welcome you to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. It's other location down by the lake, amen. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Comma by comma and line by line. Today I want to pick up from where I left off a little over a month ago with a series that we titled The Proof of Being Born Again. This is the last sermon of that series, The Proof of Being Born Again, Part 2, and the title of today's message is A New Member in the Church. A New Member in the Church. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When he had came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and he debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit for it had grew in numbers and they were now living in the fear of the Lord and all God's people said amen a new member in the church you may be seated family in order for you to properly understand the background and culture of this text I've got to take you back and bring you up so the last time we were together I was teaching you about what happened to Saul after he got converted to Christianity when Saul was changed his motives in life changed see he used to persecute Christians but now he's preaching Jesus he used to behave in a sinful way, but now 
he's a witness for Christ. The one he once spoke against, he now is speaking for. The one he was once in opposition to, he now openly supports. And I left you in that last message telling you that a real encounter with Jesus will make you too change your old ways. See, the Holy Spirit will transform your life and he will change your will to conform to his will in order to give you too, like Saul, a testimony. And see, your testimony it will allow you to tell the story of your encounter with Jesus. That's what your testimony is. It's your personal encounter with Jesus. And everybody who's ever come into contact with Jesus has a testimony. Go on and turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you know yours? Do you know your, your testimony? Saul, as a result of telling his testimony, has now been run out of a town called Damascus. That's where he got invited to meet Jesus. And the church saw him change, but the Jews in Damascus wanted him dead. The Bible says that the church got together and put him in a basket and lowered him over the wall of the city so Saul could escape with his life. He was running from Damascus with the Lord. And he was running now back to the church where he persecuted Christians first. He ran right back to Jerusalem. And so when we come to this part of the text tonight, we see here that Saul is in a bit of a quandary. See, the last time he was in the city, he was running people out of the city. In fact, he's the reason why the church spread from Jerusalem to run to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The church he was once persecuting, he now wants to be a member of. Can I say some more? Isn't it somehow God can change your course of action and can turn you from hating somebody to now needing somebody? I feel like preaching up here. Is that all right? And today's text is going to open up for us. How do you handle a new member like Saul who shows up in your church? What do you do when your enemy decide he wants to serve your God? How you going to behave when the killers you once hated shows up at your door talking about, I want to pray with you? What do you do when your enemy changes his life and now you got nobody to hate? I'm talking to the haters this morning. God's got a plan even for your haters. Go on and turn to your neighbor, tell them, neighbor, today's a good day to get rid of your haters. I got four points I'm going to talk about and get out of your hair. Is that all right? Number one, I'm going to talk about rejected by the church. Number two, I'm going to talk about received by the church. Number three, I'm going to talk about released by the church and then rescued by the church. So stay with me in here. I know it sounds betwixting, but it's all in there. Don't make it up. Look it up. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, when he came to Jerusalem, we're talking about the one who split the church in Jerusalem. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried. Did you see that right there? He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. See, sometimes people ain't going to believe your testimony, especially when you've been notorious with another lifestyle. 
But here we discover that after all that Saul has been through, he yet again has to go through some more because of the trouble of his past lifestyle. Can I tell somebody today, your sin will find you out. And your trouble will follow you to whatever zip code you're trying to transfer to. Tell your neighbor, you can quit running today. Because when you get there, your trouble going to show up too. Am I talking to somebody? Trouble going to follow you. Hey, niece. When you look at this text, Saul was once an enemy of the church. And people remembered his past actions about them. So when he shows up to the church in Jerusalem, Saul now's got trouble. And guess why? He's got trouble, Brother Deacons, because the last time he was there, he killed one of the deacons. The deacon's name was Stephen. Now, y'all know, new beginners, can't nobody come in here and kill one of our deacons. And then come back, Tom, what I want to be a member. Take me to the water, right? <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, right, Pastor. Ain't no right hand. It's some right hand of fellowship going on, amen? But that's what happened in that church. He killed Stephen. A sharp deacon and then he went back God got a hold of him and now he comes back running from the same Jews in Damascus now running to Jerusalem now the church is in a big of a dilemma here see Saul gets rejected but he gets rejected because of fear and we all know why Saul gets rejected because the people didn't believe that God could save somebody like Saul Saul was rejected because the church had never had somebody like him in their fellowship before. Now, the church in Jerusalem simply acts in fear. They act in fear because of their history with violence and persecution. And whenever a group of people are afraid of somebody or something, the natural response is to reject them. So Saul, even though he was saved by faith like everybody else, was one that had caused them fear. And now they were rejecting him based on that fear. But I stopped by to tell you the new beginnings this morning. Let's not be afraid because we don't understand somebody. Let's not be afraid because we don't think we can trust somebody. Let's not be afraid because of someone's past sins. In fact, if God can save all of us, he can save any of us. Am I talking to you today? Now that was rejected by the church. Let's look at received by the church. Look at verse 27. If you got it, say, I'm in there, Reverend. But Barnabas, uh-oh, you should circle that word right there. The first word in 27 is the word but. That's a conjunction, right? That means something else is about to happen. That's a change in direction. The church rejected him but Barnabas. Oh, I need to say that again. Everybody else in the congregation had a problem with the new member, but Barnabas. Somebody didn't want him in their cell group. The brother said he can't be on the male praise team. Come on, talk to me. He can't be a part of the diaconate ministry, but Barnabas. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. And that the Lord has spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Look at this family. Here we see the model of what a disciple with no fear looks like. Y'all in there? His name is Barnabas. 
It's the son of Nabas. Bar means son of. Son of Nabas, who was also known to the church as the son of encouragement. It was Barnabas in chapter 4 who sells a huge piece of property and gives the money to the church. And he blesses them so that they can minister to the poor in the congregation. And when he does this, the church nicknames him the son of encouragement. Here you have one member out of all of the entire church that's willing to take a risk on somebody who's a risky candidate. Am I talking to you today? Somebody looking at me this morning got a problem with somebody because they say they want to follow Jesus. But you really ain't sure. Even when you know their testimony. Can I tell you that's a dangerous seat to sit in? Because you don't give nobody their testimony. God gives them their testimony. Amen. And it's not up to you to reject somebody from wanting to follow Christ. It's up to you to accept those who say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Barnabas in this text, he takes the one that everybody rejects and he brings them before the pastors of the church. Now, I call this the Barnabas ministry. See, see, Barnabas is willing to take a risk with his own reputation in order to minister to Saul. Help me, Holy Ghost, just a little while. If there's no Barnabas, we don't have an Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul writes 14 books in the New Testament. He's the reason why the Gentiles even have the gospel come to him. No Jews were willing to take a risk on Paul. But Barnabas takes a risk, and as a result, you and I get the gospel. I'm glad today that somebody took a risk on old Apostle Paul. You ought to be glad too, because if it wasn't for Saul, hell would be our home. I'm glad there was a Barnabas, a son of encouragement, willing to go out and get the hard person that nobody else would talk to. Oh, heck, let me put my weight on it right here. I wish that I had 45 Barnabases. Somebody that can say, I'll go to the penitentiary and get the drive-by shooter. I'll go to the women's penitentiary and get the killer. I'll go out on the street and get the prostitute. I'll go down to the city hall and get the crooked lawyer. I'll get the one that nobody wants. Pastor, sign me up for the Barnabas ministry. The ministry of encouragement. Because of Barnabas, yes, we get Apostle Paul. I like this here. Barnabas gives evidence of Saul's conversion. And he goes and tells the apostles, man, he didn't been with the Lord. He saw him. And I know it because he was witnessing of his testimony in Damascus. And they tried to kill him and they ran him out of town. I'm telling y'all, I put my weight on it. This man has been with Jesus. And as a result of that, the apostles, they received Saul, the one who killed their deacon, back into the church. Family, I stopped by to tell you, we can learn from Barnabas today how to have hospitality for those who've been claimed by the Lord. See, Barnabas didn't know Saul personally, but he could tell that he had been with Jesus. And when he had heard him speak of the Lord, he knew that his conversion was real. Every church ought to have a Barnabas ministry at work in the congregation talked about being rejected by the church being received by the church now let's look at being released 
for ministry by the church. Verse 28, 29. The Bible says, so Saul, he stayed with them. You see that right there? And he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and he debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. Notice the change in the text. After being examined by the church, the apostles, Saul continued in the work he had started in Damascus. In Damascus, he started preaching and teaching in the synagogues, and it got the Jews mad, and they tried to kill him. What we see here is that Saul's ministry was instantly recognized by the church pastors. And they gave him privilege and covering to exercise the same ministry in Damascus in Jerusalem. See, after being examined by the leadership, he was given what's called is the right hand of fellowship. He was then commissioned to go about the great commission outside of the four walls. Now, can I park the car and waddle right there? Listen, isn't this something? The one that the Jews once hired to persecute the Christians in Jerusalem now is working for the Christians that he persecuted. So they turn around and take the same employee that the Jews in the temple had and sick them back on them. Only God can do that. Take your enemy and now make him your brother. Take your enemy and now make her your sister. Take your enemy and make him now your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law. I know y'all don't like that. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. He can do it. After being examined in the church, he was identified as being one of the way. Because of his conversion, he was set apart now. Watch this. He was set apart for persecution. He was once a persecutor, but now he's set apart to be persecuted. Saul was a strong confrontational witness, and this caused him trouble in the kingdom of God. Now his enemies, they want to kill him. I stopped by to tell us today, in every congregation, there ought to be a multitude of witnesses who will be sent out in the world to contend for the faith. In every congregation, there ought to be those, uh, Deacon Crawford, who've been saved from much and ready to testify about much. In every congregation, uh, Pastor Davis, there ought to be some show enough delivered, burning from the heart out Christian witnesses. Somebody who is willing to run for Jesus in spite of the odds that's against them. I tell you something, New Beginnings, I'm concerned about us. I'm concerned about us as our little, little church starts to fan out. I think we're losing our fire. I think we're losing the reason why we said we were called together to be burning embers for the kingdom of God. Some of us come up missing when it comes to outreach and evangelism. Or we'll pack the car to come to the picnic and eat the barbecue, but on Super Saturday, Lord help me, hallelujah. We're losing our fire. And I'm concerned today that we're getting a little lukewarm. That's another sermon I preached at the university. You'll have to get the tape of that. But I'll stop by to tell you that Saul was on fire. 
And you know what I like about Saul right here, Brother, Brother Brandon? Uh, it didn't say that the church went out with him witnessing in Jerusalem. He was witnessing without them in Damascus, so he kept on witnessing without them in Jerusalem. Can I help somebody? You don't need to take somebody with you every time you go out. Sometime it ought to just be you by yourself. Come on, talk to me here. Just you and God alone. That's an army of one. And that's what God is looking for today. When you come to verse 30, you see rescued and revived by the church. Verse 30, and I'm almost through right here. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. What did they learn of? Well, they learned that as Saul was going throughout the city, he debated with the Grecian Jews in verse 29, and the Grecian Jews got angry and tried to kill him. And verse 30, when the apostles heard of this, just like the brothers in Damascus, when they heard of this, they got Saul out of town, and they took him to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Saul was one of those little short guys, historians say, who had a chip on his shoulder. If you ever argue with somebody who know they right and they ain't going to take no in an argument, have you ever been in one of them kind of conversations? That was Saul, amen. And Saul was going to argue them down to the T about why Jesus was the Christ. And if they didn't like it, oh well, they was going to hear it, amen. And that's the kind of believers I want to run with, amen. I like believers with a little edge to them, amen. Amen. Believers that got a little something under their gut. Amen. They're convinced that Jesus is the Christ. And they don't care who they're talking to, what university they're at. They're not going to be convinced no other way that Jesus is not the Son of God. Are you with me here? I don't know who told us that Christians have to be um, weak and anemic and pathetic. Humble, yeah. Gentle, yeah. Meek, yeah. But weak, no, 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 no. Not weak. Run over a doormats? No, no, no. Stand up, show enough in your face, baptize believers 24-7, following the Christ, chip on my shoulder all day long. I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Step up if you want some. Come on, take a number. Are you with me here? That's the kind of believers the New Testament church in Acts was. Ask your neighbor, what kind of witness do you have? What kind of witness... You afraid to tell somebody you walking with Jesus? You afraid that somebody might know you down with Jesus? You one of them secret kind of Christians, amen. You know, Christian on Sunday between 8 and 2, amen. But then after that, nobody know you walking with Jesus? Nobody know you pray? Nobody know you fast? Nobody know you spend time with the church? Nobody know you secretly have a favorite scripture? A life verse? Nobody know your plan is to go to heaven? To spend all of eternity with the king of glory? The creator of heaven and earth? The one who spoke and the universe came into existence? You have a secret relationship with him because you are ashamed of him? No, 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 not me. You in the wrong church. Come on, listen here. This church might ask you to do something crazy for Jesus. Like stand on the corner and say, hey, Jesus loves you today and has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> ah, help me, Holy Ghost, just a little while. The brothers, the brothers, the brothers, when they heard about the, the other Jews, the Grecian Jews trying to kill Saul, they took him 
down to Caesarea and set him off to Tarsus. Here we get to discover that, yes, church, this is beautiful, has privileges. What do you mean, Pastor? Yeah, church membership means something. Sister Wilson and I have this argument all the time. She gets mad at me because I'll answer the phone when whoever calls me to want me to come do something. And she's right. She's right. She's like, babe, new beginnings need you. Why are you running all over the city trying to help everybody else? They're not members of your congregation. And I have to fight that thing because my heart wants to serve everybody. I want to be everybody's pastor. But the truth is, I'm not. And membership has privileges. Oh, I'm going to preach it all today. Can I say some more? Church membership calls for support. Church service calls for support. And it means that we sacrifice for those who are members in the congregation. Sister Morgan gave her testimony today talking about the, mem the, the benefits of membership. The benefits of membership is that we travel with her way up to the Bay Area. Feed her meals and, and help her with whatever she needs while she's fighting with cancer. Why? She's a member of the body. And church membership has benefits, privileges. Listen, according to this passage, the church was actively involved in the life of their new member. Y'all catch that right there? Saul gets the benefits because Saul comes and joins the church. And as a result, the church then ministers to Saul in his time of need. When he got in trouble, watch this now, it was nobody else that came to the rescue. It was the church that came to the rescue. He had suffered persecution for his faith again. And this time they wanted to kill him. The church in Jerusalem, like the church in Damascus, came to the rescue. You know what I noticed? Anytime you get in trouble for your faith, the world ain't going to never come to your rescue. It's the church that comes to the rescue. It's a beautiful thing when the church family, Dr. Beckel, takes care of their own. It's a beautiful thing when the saints rally to nurture and protect those in their ranks who've been unjustly persecuted for their faith. I'm so glad I'm a part of a real church family. That's why we have a fall family fellowship. It's to renew our commitment with one another. It's to come back to the place where we pray for one another. It's to come back and be reminded what is the local church. The local church is a gathering, a community of baptized believers who are under covenant agreement and authority with one another. See, when I'm out in the world, I represent you. And when you're out in the world, you represent me. And when you call me, I come to the rescue because I'm your pastor and you my favorite member. Am I talking to you today? A covenant community is just that. It means we in covenant to one another. And you're not going to bounce and run away from your family because your family needs you like you need your family. Unfortunately, we live in a generation and time where those covenants and those commitments don't mean nothing to you until you want something from somebody. I'm from the pastor right here. Are you listening? 
those of you who've been misbehaving in the covenant, you better get it right. Because the time is going to come when you need your church family. Not just to need them when you need them, but when you need them and they don't respond, you're going to find out that you need them. When you're in covenant commitment and community with each other, it means that you give up your rights for somebody else's wrongs. You show up in the time of need to be available for ministry. Guess what I found out the last week? Um, uh, yeah, last week, the young lady's son was murdered. And she was caught, poor thing, calling all over the city, trying to find somebody to bury her baby. And I said, well, our church usually ain't open during the week because I have to work another job. But have you called this pastor? I called and they won't let us minister. Have you called that pastor? I called and they won't let us minister. Have you called that pastor? I called and they won't let us minister. Have you called that church? We can't have it over there, pastor, because they got rival gangs over there. Uh, 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 your cousin's cousin's niece said to call Sister Wilson, and Sister Wilson would ask you, and then she said she was sure that we could have it at your church. Can I put it on blast? Now that cousin's cousin ain't even a member here. And when it came time to need a pastor, because you're going to need one, to say something over your deceased baby, or try to make sense out of the crisis that you're in, you can't even find one. You know the first thing she said is, I could pay you. How sad is that? So you would not be involved in a covenant commitment with a local church. You, you think you can pay me to oversee you? I don't want your money. I want you to follow Christ. How sad is that? And then guess what? When her, she came to the church and the whole community that came with them, none of them are covenant keeping Christians. That means they don't belong to anybody's congregation. And they're just floundering, looking and longing for somebody who will stand up over them and preach to them the word of God. Listen, it means something to be under a covenant of a local church. It means something to have a pastor that you can call in the midnight hour. It means something to have some brothers or some sisters that'll come walk with you when the storms of life come your way. It means something to have somebody that'll teach your babies the word of God. That'll help you when you're broke. That'll feed you when you're hungry. That'll close you when you're naked. That'll take your prayer. That'll come to the jail. That'll bail you out. That'll marry your babies. That'll come to your baby shower. It means something to be under a covenant of baptized believers. And if I were you today, I wouldn't put on not belonging to nobody else's church no longer and if I was a wishy-washy believer in New Beginnings Church I would fix that thing today I would come down to the river and I would apologize for being phony for not showing up for not participating in the work of the kingdom why the covenant is real the church is about a covenant community of believers hey help me holy ghost just a little while can i tell you why jesus is coming back for covenant keepers when he cracks the sky and come back everybody in asia ain't going 
Everybody in Africa ain't going. Everybody in North America and South America ain't going. Only covenant keepers are going. Those who are a covenant group of baptized believers worshiping on various locations and cities but are one baptized into Christ. It's a small remnant of humanity that's going to be caught up to meet him in the air. The question is, are you a part of the covenant today? Well, I'm going to close right here. I ain't trying to mess up y'all barbecue. But I want you to know, the church has privileges. Uh, there's privileges in being a son or daughter of the king of glory. Listen, verse 31, you'll see the privilege, the Bible say, then the church throughout Judea, he's going to call Rome now, Galilee and Samaria. You see these three areas? These paradoxically were the areas they had not went to. They had ran rather because of persecution. But now that God had got a hold of the persecutor and had changed his life, peace now reigned in those areas. The Bible says that those churches in those areas enjoyed a time of peace. And I need to park the car for just a minute right there. See, peace is something that only comes from God. Persecution had came, God allowed it. He saved Saul and then he gave the churches peace. Uh, they couldn't buy it, they couldn't order it, they couldn't work for it, it had to come from God. That tells me that trouble don't last always. Persecution won't always be on our doorstep. But the church was, watch this now, strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and it grew in its numbers and they were all living in the fear of the Lord. Well family as I take my seat right here I stop by to tell you this yes that the church will one day receive peace from all of our haters. Yeah Sean Hannity Combs and all of the atheists and all of those news media mongrels, uh, uh, Jesse Jackson and some others who proclaim a certain type of Christianity that really is not the Christianity of the Bible. And all of the naysayers of the world are going to one day have to lead the church alone. Yet one day the church is going to receive peace from all of those who oppose us and the work of the gospel. One day, yes, the church is going to be strengthened, hallelujah, by the grace of God. And we will continue to reign in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I like this because it's a picture of temporary peace here in the book of Acts. And we too will have that when Christ comes back for us. I like it because when God blessed the church in this period of history, blessings came away or came to them also in the form of revival. See, they got strengthened and they got encouraged by what God did among their ranks. This is beautiful because it's the picture of the peace that passes all understanding. And God was able to increase their reverence for him. And as a result, her witness went forth and new members began to join their ranks. God is in control.
of the growth of the church. And he's in control even against the persecution against the church. I'm through preaching. But I think right now of those poor band of believers in the Middle East that are having to flee from their homes, running to mountains and caves because ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other haters are running them from their homes, killing their babies. But one day, all that will cease. One day, the believers will no longer have to run for their lives. But one day, yes, thank you, Lord, God's going to do away with all of the persecution that has come to the believers, even in our generation. And I stopped by to tell you today, don't you get discouraged by the signs of the times. Don't you get discouraged because the numbers may be shrinking. Don't you get discouraged about the trouble on your job or even the crisis that's looming, yes, looming on the airways. Why? Because Jesus said these times were going to come. Jesus said that if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. Jesus said that, yes, the time was going to come when men kill you and think they do their Father in heaven a favor. That same Jesus saw the, the horizon of persecution, was willing to go down to the old rugged cross, and not on Calvary's cross was willing to die a persecutor's death or a martyr's death that you and I might be saved. That same Jesus died, was buried in early Sunday morning. His father raised him back to the newness of life and raised him up victoriously with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That same Jesus, that same Jesus said, listen, you're going to have trial and tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Listen, family, it means something to be a, a member in the body of Christ. Don't take your membership lightly. I wish I could run just two more minutes. I'll tell you this. Can I run in two more minutes? You know how I know membership means something? On that day when the trumpet sound, it's my membership that's going to make me rise and meet him in the air. On that day when we go ushered into the kingdom, it's my membership that's going to get me into the kingdom. On that day when I stand before my king and he's passing out rewards for jobs done on earth, it's my membership that's going to mean something. On that day when I walk in with the 21st century, the Fresno, Californian Church of Jesus Christ, it's my membership that's going to have me in the role. Come on, talk to me. I like this because grandmama got her membership. Mama got her membership. Daddy got his membership. And I got my membership. But I can't have your membership. You got to get your membership on your own. But in just a minute, Reverend Brown's coming to tell you how to get your membership card. And when you get your card, he'll introduce you to your privileges. And one of the privileges is of being a member is I can call him and tell him what I want. One of the benefits of the membership is he gives me power to dwell on the inside. I got victory over the problems of this world. I've got peace that passes all understanding. I've got joy that transcends circumstances. I've got some stuff that money can't buy because i got membership with God. Let the church say amen. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for our fall family fellowship. Thank you for the reminder of what it means to be a member of your local church. Thank you for the privileges that come with being a follower of Christ. 
Now, God, open our hearts and minds. As Reverend Brown comes with the invitation, and we'll give you honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.